Welcome to Put Your Numbers to Work podcast. I'm your host, Stephen King, President and CEO of Growth Force. And I'm excited today to be joined by a longtime friend, a colleague that I've worked with forever, uh, the founder and co-founder of Donor Voice and the author of Retention Fundraising, the new art and science of keeping your donors for life. For 15 years, he's been a, a, one of the best fundraising blogs that I've ever read, The Agitator, which I love because it's really practical hands-on excuse experience. But I know Roger from his days as president of Craver Matthew Smith when I was the CFO and director of development for Amnesty International, where he helped us grow from $6 million to $18 million in revenue in a year and a half. And I'm excited to have one of the legends in the fundraising business on the progressive side and, and from Washington, D.C., now living up on the Cape, my friend, Roger Craver. Welcome, Roger. Oh, Steve, it's good to see you. It's good to be back with you. It's uh, terrific. Thank you. So long. One of the benefits here of, of coronavirus time is getting to connections, right? With some old Yeah, friends. it sure is. Sure is. So I'm hoping to talk about how nonprofits use numbers to help raise more money. But before I can begin, tell, tell the audience about yourself. Tell us about, you know, tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you've been up to. Okay, well, to make a, a little bit of a history lesson here, I, I, this is my 57th year of raising money. I started off in the civil rights movement and then moved into the anti-war movement. Uh, and uh, my specialty in the uh, late 60s, early 70s was starting these uh, citizen advocacy groups. The, uh, the first one in the summer of 69 was Common Cause, mm-hmm, followed sure. very, very quickly by uh, the National Organization for Women, Environmental Defense, Greenpeace, um, National Abortion Rights Action League, got handgun control, uh, and then took a group of older organizations, the Sierra Club, the American Civil Liberties Union, League of Conservation, Vote, uh, League of uh, Women Voters, uh, Public, and, and uh, grew them. So citizen advocacy, citizen lobbying, uh, progressive issues has, has been where I've spent most of my time, although we also at one point did 90% of the fundraising for the uh, Democratic uh, Party committees and also launched uh, Habitat and the Heifer Project and some other compassionate cause organizations. So lots of, uh, lots of, one, of water under this bridge. Where would we be without all those organizations? Well, they're important organizations, uh, and they're more important now than, uh, than ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember one of the things that I, I was um, one of the beneficiaries of being a client of Craver Matthew Smith or CMS was you introducing me to, you know, Morris Dees and staying at his house at the Southern Poverty Law Center and, and, you know, the directors of development and CFOs of Greenpeace and Environmental Defense Fund and all the organizations on the left because you helped bring us together to work together. I was 29 when I became the CFO and I, listening to those peer groups really helped me. So thank you for that. Yeah, it's a, it's a marvelous uh, collection of organizations and the founders of those groups like Mars Dees were always uh, generous in sharing information. In fact, mm-hmm. one of the things I think, Steve, that marks this, this whole nonprofit sector is its uh, willingness to share information. It's uh, unlike, uh, unlike the commercial world where there are trade secrets and there are competitive advantages and disadvantages. 
uh, competition is uh, is a bit viewed a bit differently in uh, in this space. It's the exact opposite, right? I mean, you, yeah. you have all you know. We work a lot with the uh, Fort Bend Women's Shelter, and they bring together all the coalition of all the women's groups in in city of Houston because we need the entire spectrum to to solve the problem. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, so you've been a, a guru for fundraising for 35 years, and, and I'm, I'm real excited to, to share. What are some of the secrets of, of fundraising success? Well, I think the, the biggest secret of, uh, of fundraising success is really to know, to know your numbers. Uh, and I'm, not, I'm a copywriter and strategist by, uh, by trade, so I'm not, I'm not a numbers person. But unless, unless an organization uh, is familiar with uh, with its vital uh, signs, uh, it's it's going to be in pretty poor health pretty quickly. It's it's the same as the human uh, the human body. Uh, we if we if we neglect our weight, if we neglect our uh, body mass index, if we uh, neglect understanding our blood pressure, temperature, that sort of thing, then we we run some uh, some risk. So there are vital signs uh, with every organization that every fundraiser every board and every CEO should be uh, familiar with because they are the, both the, the North Star, the guidance system for these programs and also the warning uh, alert system. If something's going wrong, you can see it uh, what are, in advance. What are those numbers? What, what are the things you want to have your fingers on? Well, what you want to, I, I divide this between what I call vanity metrics uh, and uh, essential metrics or vital metrics. The, the, the vanity metrics are, are things like the number of likes, the number of page views on a website, the time mm -hmm. spent on a website. All of those are pretty irrelevant. And they, don't make a, they don't make a difference in the life of an organization or the health mm -hmm. of an organization. What, what, is a, uh, what is metric that matters? Is any metric that you are going to act on? For, for example, uh, the, the retention rate of an organization. That is the way an organization holds on to its new donors mm -hmm. is very important because most organizations nationally in the United States lose 75% of their first year members by the end of that first year. Wow. So what that, what that means is that for every, uh, for every hundred new members or donors they're bringing into the organization, 75 are going right out the back door. So that's a lot of time and money mm -hmm. that leaks out the bottom of the, of the bucket. So retention rates are a very important uh, uh, essential uh, met value metric. Another, uh, and, and it, the reason that's an important metric beyond the immediate finance is it's also a referendum on how the donor, the new donor, views the organization. If she or he isn't interested enough to continue their giving after the first gift into the second year, then it's a pretty, uh, pretty quick sign that the organization is doing something wrong. Right. And uh, so that uh, the, knowing your retention rate is, uh, is very important. Um, the retention rates is the most important, right? Because you're spending money to acquire that donor and you want to make sure that you're, you're trying to get them to get to a second gift. And, and you do that by acknowledging, giving them an acknowledgement letter within the first week and then report on what the, you did with their money. Expand on that. 
because to me, that's what we see has been much, such a difference maker. When you can show a donor the tangible result of their gift, the Society of Human of Fundraising Executives says you get a higher average gift and more frequent giving. So, you know, share why that is so important to report back to how you spent the money and how much it costs to do your work. The, uh, the donors are never interested, uh, although uh, some will claim uh, differently. They're, they're not interested in being accounting uh, supervisors of your, of your charity. That is, they, they, they are really not interested uh, in whether you spend money uh, efficiently. That, that they, they just simply assume that you do or they wouldn't give you money in the first place. But what they, what they do look for is uh, there's sort of a, an innate mental process that uh, none of us recognize except it occurs. What, what do you need my money for? And then did it do any good? So right. when, we, when we do research into the reason donors leave an organization, the reason for poor retention, the top reason is that they failed to get an understanding of whether the organization is accomplishing its mission, meaning is their, is their gift making a difference? Now, people give for a variety of reasons. Some, some give because it simply makes them feel happy, which is the predominant reason why people give. Others, it makes them feel proud to have been part of it. Some give for peer group reasons. Well, my friend uh, Steve gave, and therefore I should give too, so I can tell Steve, yeah, I helped the, uh, I helped the Houston Food Bank. Uh, so they, the, the, the donor will read into uh, what you report as, as being beneficial. So all these communications, whether it's a thank you note or the next appeal, has to be focused on the, on the donor. Uh, the donor is the hero, not the organization. So most, most organizations make a real mistake by using statistics in their communications. We, we served this many meals. We did this, this. That, that is not the uh, thing the donor is looking for. Mm -hmm. The donor is looking to see if little Jane uh, had her uh, three meals that day or if this family of four ever got the food they needed. Uh, it, it, is, uh, it, it is aimed at the donor, and the donor becomes the hero for having delivered uh, that, uh, that help. So we're talking about the kindness and generosity of donors and, and not the organization-centric nature of the, of the nonprofit uh, itself. So, you know, we, you're... you're, you're I know one of the things that's big for you is the numbers and, and CRMs are critical to that, right? You know, a lot of small nonprofits don't, you know, for profits, uh, this, this is their whole business, right? They really understand their customers and, and, and cost to acquire a new customer and donor. You're saying the same thing about a donor, you know, the lifetime value and, and which donors make that second gift. You know, talk about the importance of the CRM, even for a small nonprofit, how doing it in Excel just won't cut it. Well, it doesn't because it doesn't capture, uh, it doesn't, ca well, it, uh, an Excel sheet can capture anything you want, but uh, a CRM makes it very easy to sort and filter different types of, uh, of information, uh, assuming the CRM is properly uh, constructed. And uh, uh, to, to not have one, given the low cost of these things these days, is a, is a real mistake because 
the the one thing about fundraising it's highly if it's done right it's highly discriminatory meaning it it focuses in on the people who are the most committed and who give the most money and that's where you spend the most uh, money and the most effort uh most organizations simply send the same thing to everyone one size fits all and that's not a good practice uh it's it's like a it's like a business uh that would ignore its best customers in favor of wanting to wanting to, to serve uh, the general public in, a, in a, just a massive indiscriminate way doesn't doesn't make business sense this is this is why when they when they were still flying the airlines had loyalty programs why hotels have loyalty programs they they know that they need to to pay to pay special attention to those who use their services more than others. So how would you segment, like for when we were at Amnesty back in the day, you know, this is a $20 million organization, so it's not, it's different if you're a, you know, $2 million organization, but if you got, if you gave us a gift of $5,000, that meant I was calling them, right? Yeah. Even in a $20 million organization. Yeah, well, the, uh, the couple, couple things about that, the uh, one, the, the higher amount of money deserves, uh, deserves some special attention. What, what it doesn't deserve is the mistake most organizations make is that Steve just gave us $5,000, therefore uh, we can't go back and ask him again for another year or so. Well, that's a, that's a real mistake. Steve gave $5,000 because Steve apparently cared a lot about what you're doing. So that's the time, as you suggest, to be on the phone saying, Steve, thanks, that was terrific. Here's how we're gonna use that. Look, we have an opportunity here to, to really do a lot more I'd, I'd like to talk to you about uh, giving them an additional 15,000 and here's how we would use it. The, the, the ability to focus in on people and find out what their preferences are, what they're interested in is very important. The business, the business of fundraising is really human relationship building. So the more you can communicate, if you can do it by phone, great. If you can do it by mail, fine. Doesn't, the, the channel isn't nearly as important as lavishing attention on someone. I don't mean fawning attention. I, I mean information attention, letting them know that their involvement is really important. So for example, I, many or, I, don't, I think in the thousands of organizations I've worked with over the years, only two or three have been willing to do this. But one of the, one of the things I try to do uh, on, when the next year's renewal, annual support renewal gifts come along, is if you gave, if you gave me $50 last year and this time you give me $35, I'll be in touch with you saying, Steve, we were really counting on that other $15. Now, most people find that absolutely appalling, but what happens to the donor is they begin to see that they're constant involvement makes a big difference and that the organization was counting on it. And, and believe me, that's far more positive in a donor's mind than, than these organizations think. They think you're being insulting by, uh, by asking to make up the difference, but you're not. You're really saying, we, you're saying several things. One, we know who you are. Two, we know what you give. Three, we're counting on that because your support makes a difference. So you go right to that top issue I talked about a few minutes ago, that donors leave because they think their involvement doesn't make a difference. So well, you've, you used, you've used the word involvement a lot, right? right. 
Right. So that's what fundraising, getting your donors involved. You know, talk, talk about one of the things I was always impressed with was how important of an emphasis you put on cultivation mailings. Right. The, 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 the whole, um, the umbrella for all communication uh, with donors is to offer the donor an experience, uh, an ongoing set of experiences. So it, 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 requesting money and they're giving money is one experience, but it's not the entire experience. Thanking them is an experience. Mm-hmm. Sending them a, a simple survey, asking them, how do you prefer we communicate with you? Uh, do you want it by email? Do you want it by postal mail? How frequently would you like us to be in touch with you? Would you like to make uh, uh, one gift a year or would you like us to give a uh, notice of other opportunities? It is amazing what happens when you ask a donor for her or his preferences. It, it's a respectful thing to do. It's a very human uh, piece of reciprocity to do. Yeah. Uh, and yet most organizations say, oh, we can't do that because they'll tell us they don't want to hear from us. Well, if, if that's what they want, then honor it. Uh, it, it what, 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 what the mindset of too many nonprofits is that these donors are, are in their brain, in, in, the, in the organization's minds, sort of like an ATM machine, that they're there. And when I need money, I'm going to go request it. And hopefully they'll give it. Well, that's not that's not what the uh, deal is at all. Right. The deal is that these are partners in an organization, part of a human relationship, and treat them that way. Give them experiences. Send them a birthday card. Pick up the phone every once in a while and just say, how you doing? I'm not calling for anything. I just want to know how you're doing. Particularly true now in this pandemic. Particularly mm-hmm. true in Texas where you're mm-hmm. experiencing uh, – all this stuff. I'm, we're just calling to check on you. There's anything you need, anything we can be doing to, uh, to help you. We just want to know you're all right. I mean, I'll never forget. I, get, I give money to a Florida organization called Food for the Poor. And I live up in Massachusetts. And after the, after the Boston Marathon bombing, I got a call from the organization. Wow. And all they want to know, they want to know, we know, we know you don't live in Boston, but you may have been there. We want to know if you're safe. Well, you know, I'll never forget. I'll never forget that organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they weren't, they weren't looking for anything they, except they, they, they wanted to be sure their flock was uh, okay. Right. And, right. and, uh, and so made, that's, they, that's the importance of donor experience. I love that. You're giving us so many, you know, common mistakes that nonprofits make, you know, is the biggest one I'm hearing is getting the donor to feel involved and helping them make sure they feel like their gift is making a difference. You know, right. helping them have an experience with you and, and then, you know, communicating with them. I, I, I love, you know, as an amnesty member, I still get, you know, sign this petition. We need your help right now. It's not, you know, it's not asking me for money. Let, let, let's let's, let's, let's uh, talk about one more piece there on that, which is the sustainer program. I mean, this, this was a lifesaver for amnesty is taking your annual donors and then helping them convert into monthly giving program. Talk about that, because I see that working really well with our, our small nonprofit clients. Yeah, it's, it's probably the most, uh, the most efficient, dependable, and disaster-proof uh, system of giving. Uh, the monthly, or what uh, in the trade is known as sustainer, sustaining uh, giving, uh, the commitment of $10 or $20 a month. This was, this was something that uh, 
was was pioneered by uh, uh, most most prominently nationally by the public uh, uh, media public broadcasting stations, but more and more organizations, fortunately, over the last fifteen years, have begun doing this. And I uh, frankly, I recommend that every that every organization, particularly small organizations, try to do as as much of a monthly program as possible because it uh, there's there's several reasons for that one it uh it it enables the organization to have uh, a predictable cash flow and uh one that that even a pandemic won't uh won't wreck uh two it enables the donor to do a lot more than she or he would normally do i mean i could ask you for two hundred and forty dollars, which you may or may not be able to do, or I could ask you for seventeen dollars a month, which you may be able to do, and and it amounts to the same. So the the point the point being that installment giving, uh, although you don't call it that, is uh, is a very effective way to to uh, to build a predictable stream of revenue that you can budget and count on because. Once, once they're on board for more than a few months and have been paying, they, the average uh, life of a sustaining donor is about seven years. So it, uh, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's a big, uh, it turns out to be a pretty major uh, and, 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 commitment. And what, what you guys did for us was you, you basically said, you know, we, we called it a partners in conscience, no, right? Right, right. And, and partner was the key word, meaning, we need to ha- our, our we need predictable cash flow in order to be able to budget your investment appropriately. So this is good for you and good for us because we're going to be able to put your money to work. And then you made it so easy. And even like with QuickBooks, you know, you can you can automatically send an invoice out. You can automatically ACH it, or they can put it on credit card, and it's just on autopilot. So the accounting department at the nonprofit has less work to do. And what I was blown away with, wow, we started with saying, okay, let's go to our thousand dollar donors and let's ask them to give us a hundred dollars a month. And that's a 20% increase. Yeah. Yeah. And it yeah. worked. It worked. Yeah. And, and where it really works long-term is with small gift donors, because the, the monthly giving program also turns out uh, to be the best feeder of bequest uh, money so that someone who's in the habit of making a monthly gift uh, is far more likely to leave a bequest of $25,000, $30,000 than than someone who who hasn't. And the only only weakness in most monthly giving programs I see is that once, once the organization gets that monthly commitment, they tend to not communicate frequently enough with the uh, with the donor. So it's a good idea to each month uh, just not send a bill necessarily, but to just to send a, to the partners council or partners organization uh, an update. This is what uh, we've accomplished this month, uh, thanks to you, and and treat them like a special select group of people. These these programs are very simple to run. The CRMs make it easier uh, to do than if you don't have a CRM. But as you point out, QuickBooks, uh, you, can, you can do all this. The, the, um, the, the, the reason I think many organizations don't do this is they think that, well, we're not getting, if we're getting $17 or $10 a month, 
it, it's not it's not as good as getting that twenty five dollar uh, or fifty dollar gift right now. So you you have to be willing to make a little trade off between short term and and longer term income. But it's not much of a trade off in terms of what you're what you're ultimately going to get from people. So we used to we used to say that the monthly giving is the Oklahoma land rush of fundraising, which it was. Now most many, mo, mo, not man, not most, but many, many organizations are into it. So you, you have to try it to see if it works for you. It, it used to work for almost everyone. Now, now so many people have monthly commitments. I, I think I must have 20 of them. So is that, is that your advice to nonprofits? What to do right now is to go to your donors and say, look, we know we want to, we, we, here's how we're spending. Here's what your money is doing. Here's the tangible result of your contribution. And, 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 and we'd like to, we need your help. Yeah. I, I mean, if, uh, if I, it, it should be the case, it is, at least it is, uh, here in Massachusetts and other places I work, uh, that there are an awful lot of new donors coming into these, uh, uh these emergency operations. And th- that's the, th- that's the perfect time to go to a new donor and say, look, this made a world of difference. Uh, and could, would you consider doing, uh, doing $15 or $20 a month because this is how it will help. Uh, I would particularly do that on the new donors who are coming in as a result of this uh, coronavirus uh, emergency. And uh, then I would go from there, I would go to the, to, the, to the donors who are small donors, but fairly frequent donors and ask them to make their, maybe they give three times a year, ask them to become monthly donors and then work your way down the file to the to the less frequent people but there's there's about as a general rule steve there's somewhere between 15 and 25 percent of a donor file who will become monthly donors and if you if you really promote the 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 program over time some of the some of the public stations for example broadcasting stations get between 40 and 60 percent of their donor base uh, now you can on, a, budget. on a monthly basis. Yeah. yeah. Now you can predict it. Well, you know, this is, this has really been uh, outstanding. Um, I'm, I'm so excited to have the opportunity. It's, it's fu- funny how we got reconnected. You know, when we shut down, I cleaned out my, my attic and pulled out the archives and just said, you know, they wanted to do a history of growth force video. So I just started looking for stuff. And I found an email from Janice Christensen, who was, when I was the CFO and director of development, was the national director of campaigns for Amnesty. And I just went on to LinkedIn and said, Janice, how are you? It's me, Steve. Remember 30 years ago? And she's like, yeah. And then, I, you know, we got to talk. She's like, I married Roger. I'm like, you, <laughs> human rights work and, and fundraising came together. So, uh, you know, it was really a blessing. And um. I couldn't be you know, more thrilled to have had you on the show and to share your wealth of knowledge. Well, Steve, I'm, I'm so proud of uh, not only what you did for Amnesty, but the, what you've done with this company, because this is a, you, you're offering a service and I, this is not a commercial plug, although I'm happy to make a commercial plug. What, what, you, what you're doing for nonprofits is really, uh, really important. And uh, I'm, so, uh, I'm so happy that we've, uh, rediscovered and re- reconnected because uh, I'm going to do, whether you like it or not, some missionary work on your behalf, because I think this is extraordinarily ha- uh, important. 
Well, Janice has already already uh, sent us to the uh, the Center Against Torture, so you know we we we, we appreciate that very much. And um, and I love your agitator. You know, it, it's uh, agitator.thedonorvoice.com. It comes out three, four times a week, and it's real practical experience. I've already sent it to a bunch of clients. You know, tell us how do people reach you if they want to ask more questions or. You can just or, send me uh, just send me an email to Roger at theagitator.net and that will uh, that will get me and I'll answer your questions and also on the website the uh, agitator.thedonorvoice.com there's an archive and it's it's organized by subject matter and there's lots of uh, lots of stuff so for if, for example you're interested in monthly giving sustainer programs there's a section on uh, different posts on that there's a section on matching gifts uh, there's a section on what to do in a disaster. So lots of uh, lots of stuff over 15 years uh, that we've uh, we've assembled, and most of it is uh, uh, empirical, meaning meaning we don't publish the stuff in, unless there's some scientific basis for it. And you've had enough data and enough large organizations and enough decades of experience to to be a voice that everybody should listen to. Well, Roger, thanks for taking the time to come on, put your numbers to work, and to everyone else, we'll see you next time. Thank you, Steve.